Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Warth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Excited about this new year. Anybody believe in God, believe in God for better things in the new year? Praise the Lord. Well, we welcome everybody to the house of the Lord this afternoon. And my name is Brian, and I get to serve as the pastor here. I want to welcome those watching online. Let's make some noise for them watching online. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Luke, uh, chapter 22, verse 31. When you get there, hold your finger there, and I need you to turn to another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. So again, turn to Luke 22, verse 31, hold your finger there, and then turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 uh, through 5. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that our church is fasting and praying into the new year. And if you have not started fasting, it's not too late. We encourage you to participate. Uh, there are three options. Uh, we have a group of people that are starting the Daniel fast tomorrow. So that's an option for you. Uh, the second option is we have a group of people that are fasting Wednesdays and Thursdays only. Breakfast and lunch only, all, only in the month of January. So that's Wednesdays, Thursdays only, breakfast and lunch only. And then the third option is we have a group of people that are fasting Wednesdays only, breakfast and lunch only. So you have options. If you're serving in the church, you need to be fasting with us. We're not going to micromanage how you fast, but we need to be fasting together and praying together. So on Thursdays, we join here, uh, the adults in the sanctuary, uh, our deaf family in the fellowship hall, and our teens in the other room on Thursday nights. And we are praying and worshiping on Thursday nights, so make sure you get involved. Someone say amen. I want to turn to Luke chapter 22 as we studied the Bible this uh, afternoon. And in this setting is Jesus having the Last Supper with his disciples. He just completed the dinner. Uh, they just sang a song together. They're in the upper room together. This is hours before he's going to be crucified on the cross. He's surrounded by his disciples, and Jesus turns around to Peter, Simon Peter, and says something utterly shocking. He says something utterly shocking. And I want us to read this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to bring out some revelation that I believe that is going to strengthen your faith. It's going to equip you for spiritual warfare and it's going to help you to overcome anything in 2023 that tries to overcome you. Now, I've got a disclaimer that I want to share that at different parts of our study today, uh, I will be talking like family. Someone say amen. If you're new here, uh, from time to time at Chapel of Change, we talk like family. So just prepare yourself. Do not run out the door. So I got the ushers ready. Someone say amen. All right, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. The scriptures read, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I love that picture of the mercy of Jesus. Just look at that with me for a second. Before Peter even messes up, Jesus says, I'm going to use your mess up for my glory, my honor. I'm going to use your mess up to strengthen other people. Before he even messes up, 
Jesus gives him a vision for his life. And says, yeah, you're, you, you, you're going to mess up. But if you return to me, you're going to turn into a mighty warrior that strengthens everybody around you. Come on, somebody. That's the grace of God. Look at verse 33. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. That brother was not ready to go to prison. Believe me, he was not ready to go to prison. Jesus answered in verse 34 and said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. Not one time, not two and a half times, but three times that you, de- that you know me. That brother was overconfident. He said, I'm ready to go with you until the wheels fall off. But he was overconfident because he was not ready. Never, ever be overconfident in yourself. Always stay humble. Always stay behind God, not ahead of God. Always stay behind God. Don't get ahead of God. I know you're excited. I know you got some strength underneath your legs. You're getting healed inwardly, emotionally. But don't think you're ready to go tackle the world by yourself. Humble yourself. Stay humble. Stay in a position to learn and to grow. Stay behind God. Follow God. Don't get ahead of God. Someone shout amen. Now, as we look at this exchange uh, for the second time, this is such a fascinating exchange between Jesus and Peter. And in this exchange, Jesus reveals to us something that is going on that we cannot see. He opens Peter's eyes to something that is happening that he cannot see. And so the first thing I want us to consider is that there is an invisible war happening right here, right now. Whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, I I, want to let you know based on the authority of God's word, there is an invisible war going on for your joy, for your peace, for your destiny, for God's plan for your life. There is a struggle. There is a battle. There is a visible, invisible, spiritual war going on after you. Listen to what he says. Listen. Listen to what Jesus reveals. He tells Peter. He says, Satan has asked for you. Think about this. Jesus revealed to Peter what happened against him in the invisible spiritual realm. Think about this with me. Peter didn't know that Satan asked for him until Jesus revealed it to him. Are you following along? Are you tracking with me? Peter did not know that Satan asked for him until Jesus revealed it to a man. My goodness, if, I, if, if Jesus would have told me Satan was asking for me, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Out of all the demons in hell, it got to be Satan himself asking for me. But Peter did not know what was going on in the invisible realm. Jesus had to reveal it to him. And this is what I want to catch. I want us to catch on that there's an invisible war going on. Something happened in the spiritual realm against Peter that he could not see. Something happened in the invisible spiritual realm against Peter that he could not see. Satan asked for him, and more specifically, Satan asked to sift him like wheat. Sift him like wheat. That's an agricultural term. And back in those days, what they would do is they would take the wheat and the chaff, they would put it in a bucket, and they would violently shake it up. That sifting uh, speaks of a violent shaking, a violent rattling, and that's what Satan wants to do to our faith. 
He wants to shake us away from our hope. He wants to shake us away from our foundation. He wants to shake us off of our peace in Christ Jesus. He wants to violently shake up our marriage, violently shake up our family so that we're no longer doing what God has called us to do. There's an invisible spiritual war going on, my brothers and sisters. And I would call to our attention that whatever the physical shaking was for Peter, it started in the invisible realm. I want you to note this in your mind. Whatever the shaking was in the physical realm to Peter, whatever that was, right, it started in the invisible realm, in the spiritual realm, where Peter could not see it with his natural eyes. Does this make sense to anybody? See, there's an invisible realm that affects our physical realm. There's an invisible realm that affects our spiritual realm. And I've said this to the church. I'm going to say it again. If all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all there is to be seen. If all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all there is to be seen because there's an invisible war going on against us. There's, there's dark forces working against us. There's dark forces trying to stop us from serving Jesus. There's dark forces trying to stop us from worshiping the Lord. There's a, there's a spiritual realm, an invisible realm, that is trying to affect our physical, material realm. And the more you don't know, the more advantage Satan has over your life. If you don't know how to impact the invisible realm, you will be held in bondage by the invisible realm and not even know it. If you don't know how to affect the invisible spiritual realm, you will be held in bondage to the invisible spiritual realm and not even know it. You will have no clue that Satan all along is behind the destruction in your life and the dismantling of your family and the dismantling of your marriage. And all along you'll think, oh, the world has been bad to me. No, it was a strategic, spiritual, invisible attack that you had no clue about. That's why the Bible says in Hosea, that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. They're, they're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. There, there is an invisible realm that affects the physical realm. Let me show you some snapshots of this in the scripture. I'm going to show you some snapshots. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, the apostle Paul, he writes the Thessalonian church. And listen to what he says. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Did you see that? He's writing to the church and he's saying, man, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go, believe me, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to worship with you guys. I wanted to praise with, with you guys. I wanted to serve in the church. That's what Paul said. Even the apostle Paul, he said, I wanted to go to church. But Satan hindered me. Do you see? The invisible realm affected the physical realm. The invisible realm impacted the physical realm. I would, I would dare say to everybody here that there was probably a million people in L.A. County who, who woke up this morning and they wanted to come to church. I bet you there was a million people in L.A. County. They woke up this morning and said, man, I want to go to church. I, I feel like going to church. I, I will to go to church. But I bet you they didn't show up. They didn't show up. Why? It wasn't something physical. It was something spiritual that tried to hold them down from praising God, from worshiping the Lord, from sacrificing unto the Lord. The enemy didn't want them to come to the house of the Lord, and it hindered them. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? There's dark forces working against us, and I want you to notice that Paul, he had the will to go to the church, but Satan hindered him. I want you to notice this hindrance manifested in the physical situation, but Paul was able to look beyond the physical situation and see the invisible cause. That's money right there. 
Did you catch that? The hindrance manifested in the physical realm. Something hindered Paul from going to church. But Paul didn't get hung up on the physical. He was able to see beyond the physical into the cause, into the invisible, into the spiritual. That's money right there. You see that? See, there are many people who want to be free from a a pattern of sin, who want to be free from a pattern of anger, or want to be free from a pattern of insecurity, but it's going to take more than just wanting to be free. It's going to take you being equipped spiritually to engage the invisible realm. It's going to take you learning who you are in Christ Jesus. It's going to take you learning the power that you have in the name of Jesus. It's going to take you learning a little bit about the invisible spiritual realm so you're not always hung up by that. It takes more than just a will. Paul had the will to go to church, but something hindered him. Let me show you another snapshot on how the invisible realm affects the physical realm. First Chronicles 21 verse 1. It says Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. Notice that Satan rose up against it. That's the invisible realm. Incited David to take a census. That's the physical realm. The invisible realm affected the physical realm. Are you following along? Let me show you another example in Luke chapter 13, verse 11. It says Jesus saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. So notice, the woman was crippled, that's the physical realm, by an evil spirit, that's the invisible realm. You see the connection? The woman was crippled, that's the physical realm, by an evil spirit, that's the uh, uh, invisible realm. So something happened in the spiritual realm that affected their physical realm. Something happened to that lady in the invisible realm that affected her physical realm. Here, why am I saying that? Because there's an invisible war going on. Sometimes it's more than just a bad day. Sometimes it's more than just a bad situation. Sometimes it's more than just a bad season. Sometimes it's a bad demon trying to hinder you from growing and going for the Lord. Sometimes it's more than just a bad situation. Sometimes it's a bad demon trying to hinder you, divide you, conquer you, hold you down from worshiping the Lord. You better press off them covers off of you in the morning on Sunday morning. You better get out that door. You better put gas in that car. You better run to church if you have to run to church. Don't let the devil hold you back. Someone shout amen. Now, as we think about this invisible realm, this spiritual warfare that's going on, I'm, I'm lacing you up today. I'm, I'm equipping you today. I'm like a boot sergeant in the spiritual army, and I'm giving you your weapons, all right? Um, as you think about this invisible war that's going on, let me remind you that our invisible war is less a power struggle and more of a truth struggle. Think about that. Our invisible war is less of a power struggle and more of a truth struggle. Why Why do I say that? Why do I say it's less of a power struggle? Because Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. We have a defeated foe. The Bible says in 1 John that the reason why the Son of God was manifested was to destroy, get this, the works of the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. That word destroy means to loose. It means to release. It means to set free. It means to break. That's what the power of God does. Looses us from the power of darkness, sets us free from the power of darkness, breaks the chains of the power of darkness. In fact, Colossians says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers through his cross. He disarmed the devil through the cross. So we have a defeated foe. It's less of a power struggle. It's really not a power struggle when you know your authority in Christ Jesus, when you know about the name that is above every name, when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. It's no longer a power struggle. But then you say, if it's not a power struggle, then why am I always held down? Then it stands to reason, if it's not a power struggle, then why are there so many Christians uh, busted and disgusted? 
If it's not a power struggle, then how in the world are we allowing the enemy into our life? If, it, if we have a defeated foe and we preach that every week, then how in the world are there so many Christians locked up in insecurity, depression, and hating themselves? How? How does that happen? That's where the truth struggle comes in. Listen, I'm going to give you some insight. Demons feed people lies to open doors in order to set up strongholds in their minds. Man, that's some money right there. That's the money bag right there. Demons feed people lies to open doors in order to set up strongholds in their lives. Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. So Satan is a liar and the father of lies. The Bible describes Satan as the master deceiver. Satan deceived one-third of the angels to fight against God. Who in the world thinks they can fight against God and win? What type of deception was that? That was deep deception. He's a master deceiver, and he produces demons, or, or demons that follow him, I should say. He doesn't produce them, but the demons that follow him are master deceivers, and they've been studying us. They hate us. You know why? Because we're created in the image and likeness of God, and we have the name that is above every name. So demons attack the truth in our lives. To get us to open up doors in our lives. See how it works? He can't strong arm you no more if you know your authority in Christ Jesus, right? He can't break down the door no more if you know your authority in Christ Jesus. So how does he get in? You got to come another way. You got to come through the back door. And demons attack the truth in our lives to get us to open up doors. It's a truth struggle. It starts with listening to the whispers of demons. That's where it starts off. That's where the back door is. It's the listening to whispers of demons. And listen, whispers convince us to open doors that give demons permission to build strongholds in our minds. Once you open up that door, you give them permission to build strongholds in our minds. Listen to what 1 Timothy 4, 1 says. Listen, this gives us revelation. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. That's the truth. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Get that. Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Some of us are allowing demons to have school in our minds. Some of us are allowing demons to set up classes in our living rooms. Some of us are allowing demons to set up classes in our cars when we go to work because we're listening to the lies. Is anybody following along? So last week, we talked about open doors to demons. If you didn't listen to that message, go on our YouTube page. I got two videos on opening doors to demons. And we talked about how Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. Right? Don't open a door to the devil. That's what we talked about. And then we identified some open doors. Remember, um, one of the things that we identify is that movies can be an open door. Movies can be an open door. Be careful about being entertained by what Jesus died for. Notice, by the way, the word entertainment has the word enter in it. Hello, Mr. Long? Notice the word entertainment has the word enter in it. Perhaps we allow things to enter into our lives by what we get entertained by. 
perhaps we allow things to enter into the lives of our kids by what we allow them to be entertained by. Just giving you something to think about. Just giving you something to think about. We talked about last week how music can be an open door. Some type of music can be an open door. We talked about how you can't be uh, asking God to deliver you from lust while all along bumping R. Kelly. Remember we talked about that? You can't be, Lord, deliver me from lust. I can't be thinking like this. Oh, man, I'm so ashamed. I can't be thinking like this. And all the way to work, you're bumping. I don't see nothing wrong. It doesn't work that way. You got an open door in your radio. It's an open door. We talked about sex out of marriage. It's an open door. We talked about how sex out of marriage, everybody you have sex with, you actually have sex with what that person had sex with. And with who that person had sex with. The next thing you know, you're all messed up and you're wondering why. Something's been transferred. I also want to remind us that alcohol is an open door. Alcohol is an open door. Have you ever noticed that, that alcohol is called spirits? Ever noticed that? Look, I'm going to show you uh, this picture that is on many uh, liquor stores. It's right there in front of us. It's in plain sight. Look, come, get your friendly neighborhood spirit and, and open. Have you ever noticed how it has that sound? It's right there. I'm really convinced, I'm convinced that the Bible teaches that alcohol is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that the Bible teaches that alcohol is a counterfeit Holy Spirit because in Ephesians 5.18 it says, Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says don't be drunk on wine and immediately goes to the Holy Spirit. I think, I think it's revealing to us that alcohol is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. You remember on the day of Pentecost when the church was baptized in the Holy Spirit? What did the world think they were doing? They thought they were drunk. Just giving you something to think about. Once there's an open door, we got to be aware because then a stronghold gets built over time. Because footholds lead to strongholds. Footholds lead to strongholds. And that's where we see 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Let's pull that out. Footholds lead to strongholds. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning it's not fleshly or earthly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Someone say strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself, get this, against the knowledge of God. Notice that phrase, the knowledge of God. What is that? That's attack on the truth. Now, just think about this. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What did Satan and those angels do to get kicked out of heaven? They try to exalt themselves against God. And now they're trying to feed us lies that exalt them against God in our mind and build strongholds. So Paul uses this word stronghold for the only time in the New Testament right here. And he writes to the Corinthian church. And it's interesting because in the middle of the city of Corinth, there was a hill that had a fortress on top of the hill that was highly fortified with layers of defense walls around it. And scholars believe that Paul, in writing this letter to the church, he drew from that picture of a fortress that is in the middle of Corinthians uh, city to, to use this word stronghold. He pulled from that picture. In fact, another translation doesn't say stronghold. It says fortress. It says fortress. So let me give us some definition uh, of what strongholds are because we're going into 2023 shutting doors, destroying strongholds. Shutting doors and destroying strongholds. So let me give you some definition to what stronghold is. So listen to this. A stronghold is a fortress of lies built in our minds that produces bad decisions. A stronghold is a fortress 
of lies. We receive the lies of the demons uh, and those lies build in our mind a fortress that produces bad decisions. Let me give you another definition. A stronghold is an unhealthy mindset that keeps one in the cycle of bondage. So have you ever seen somebody get delivered from something and they're all excited and they testify how they're free, but then three months later they're back into that same bondage? You wonder what happened? They got free, but they never dealt with the stronghold that was erected in their mind. And so the stronghold took them back to where they started. An unhealthy mindset that keeps one in the cycle, cycle of bondage. Let me give you another definition of a stronghold. A lie, misconception, or exaggeration firmly planted in our minds that hinders growth. A lie, misconception, or exaggeration firmly planted in our minds that hinders growth. It's an exaggeration. It's a misconception that is plant, that the devil plants in our minds. Listen, I'm going to tell you what spiritual warfare is. It's the devil stabbing our minds with misconceptions and exaggerations towards one another misconceptions and exaggerations toward one another, toward your spouse, toward your kids, toward your church family, exaggerations and misperceptions. So now it's no longer that that sister unknowingly walked by me because there's just too many people in the room. She couldn't hug everybody, but she walked by me because, and she didn't hug me because there's 50 people in the room. It's no longer that she did it unknowingly. Now, in my mind, she did it because she didn't like me. She got something against me. She's holding something, she's un, uh, uh, holding something against me. That's an exaggeration. That's a misperception that is planted in our mind that hinders our growth. Are, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? So strongholds, strongholds, and we got to be reminded that what we think matters. See, shutting a door is the start of your freedom, but destroying the stronghold is the next level of your freedom. Shutting the door is the start. Praise God. You got delivered from pornography. Praise God. You got delivered from addiction. Praise God. You shut the door on smoking weed. Praise God. You shut the door on getting drunk. Praise God. Now, now that's just the start. Destroying the stronghold is the next level of freedom. Remember, there's levels to freedom in the kingdom of God. There's levels to freedom. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you've been saved for 30 years, as long as you keep going to the next level, you're going to be excited about Jesus. It's when you stay on the same level for too long, you start to, oh, this is boring. I don't want to go to church. Everything is boring because you stand on the same level for too long. You better find the elevator in the kingdom of God and hit that up button. So, so strong, destroying the strongholds is the next level of freedom. That, 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 but here's what I want you to catch. While you were in your struggle... The enemy set up strongholds in your mind that affect your thinking. While you were in your addiction, demons built layers upon layers of lies in your mind that now affect how you make decisions. So you're free from the alcohol. You're free even maybe from the demon, but his work is still there because you're still with the lies. So now, our job by the power of the Holy Spirit is to destroy the stronghold. And there's an image of this in the Bible with the children of Israel. God had delivered them from Egyptian slavery, bringing them into the promised land. But did you know, while going into the promised land, they have the nerve to say, we would have been better in Egypt. What? You just got done praying for deliverance. You just got done praying for 300 years to be set free. And God set you free. And you have the nerve to think that you would be better back in Egypt. That's a stronghold. 
that needs to be destroyed. We see, we see this played out similarly with uh, prisoners. Prisoners who do long time in prison. They, they do 10 years or 20 years in prison and they finally get released, but they still think like a prisoner. They're physically free on the outside, but they're still thinking as a prisoner. It's called institutionalized. They're physically free. Finally, they're free. But you go into their house and you go into their bedroom and their bedroom looks like a prison cell. It's a stronghold. And it's not just for unbelievers. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Don't, don't make, oh, this is just for unbelievers. No, you would be surprised at how many believers have built up strongholds in their mind that have not been torn down. And it's affecting their relationships. It's affecting their, their, their life. It's affecting the way they work. It's affecting everything about them. So how are strongholds built? How are strongholds built? Well, for one, strongholds are built by exposure over time to destructive aspects of culture. How are strongholds built? Um, exposure over time to destructive aspects of culture. So what do I mean by that? Well, we feed our minds on the news. We feed our minds on TV shows. We feed our mind on certain music. We feed our mind on certain aspects, negative aspects of social media. And what it does is shapes our thinking. By the way, the last three years during the pandemic, so many strongholds have been built up in Christians' mind by watching news all the time. So many churches have been divided because of strongholds have been planted in Christians' minds because all they do is watch the news. And I don't care what news is this, whether it's Fox or CNN, all that stuff builds strongholds in our minds if all we do is consume it every day. Negative aspects of our culture. Secondly, past experiences develop strongholds. So you got hurt at some point in your life. And now you make decisions through that hurt. You, you've experienced pain or rejection as a little kid. But now as an adult, every decision you make, you run it through that rejection. You run it through that pain. That's an, a stronghold. That's a deeply negative emotion planted in your heart that is affecting the way you think and affecting the way you behave. Associations build strongholds. The Bible teaches bad company ruins good character. Associations. Uh, you begin to think how your friends think. You begin to act how your friends act. You, your mindset of other people becomes your mindset. Listen, let me talk like family for a second. It is a dangerous place to be in when all you hang around with is people who dress like you, talk like you, walk like you, eat the same food as you, and listen to the same country music that you listen to. It's a dangerous place to be in. That's why one of the things I love, Chapel of Change, is that we're a diverse church. So we got people from different perspectives, different from people from different experiences, and hearing them out and listening in their hearts keeps me healthy. Associations can build strongholds. And there are differences between open doors and strongholds. Major differences between open doors and strongholds. Let me identify them. Well, uh, open doors allow the enemy to get in. Strongholds allow the enemy to stay in. He builds up the walls. He leaves you, but that thought process is still there. Doors give enemies permission. Strongholds give enemy protection. Doors are generally closed. Strongholds have to be destroyed. Open doors are generally closed instantly, whereas strongholds are destroyed over time. Open doors are closed by repentance and renouncing. Uh, strongholds are destroyed by renewing and replacing. So doors are closed by repentance and renouncing. Uh, strongholds are destroyed by renewing and replacing. Let me dig into a couple of these for a moment. Strongholds are destroyed over time. It don't happen overnight. Just think about how long you were living that lifestyle. 
and and what happened while you were living that lifestyle or how long you were falling for a lie if you are a born-again believer. You're falling for a lie. But just think about it. The enemy seeks to set up many and many strongholds in our minds. And it takes time to destroy the strongholds. We get an example of this with the children of Israel. When they come out of Egypt and they're about to possess the promised land, there's nations in the promised land that they have to conquer. And in Exodus 22, God tells them, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Notice that phrase, little by little. So strongholds are destroyed over time. And then lastly, strongholds are destroyed by renewed, being renewed with the truth. By being renewed with the truth. Ephesians 4 verse 23, Apostle Paul writes to believers. He says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Catch that. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Why your attitudes? Because your attitude determines your altitude. Let the Spirit renew it. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 10, it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn, that's the truth, to know your Creator and become like Him. Listen, strongholds are destroyed by being renewed with the truth. And that's why you got to make a commitment to, to the renewal process. Got to make a commitment to the renewal process. Got to make a commitment to the truth process. That's one of the reasons why you need to be committed to one church. You need to be committed to one church. That's one of the reasons why you need to engage in the discipleship groups of one church. I'm going to tell you why. If you go from church to church, you're new everywhere you go. Follow along with this line of reasoning. If you go from church to church, you're new everywhere you go. And if you're new everywhere you go, nobody's going to talk to you about the real issues of your life. We don't talk about the real issues with people we do not know. We talk about Lakers. We talk about football with people who we don't know. But when you get planted in a church, when you get committed to a church and people get to know you and you begin to do life with people and in time through relationships, we get to know the real hangups of your life. We get to know the real hang-ups of your life. But that takes time. That takes time to establish. But if you go from church to church, you're always new. You're always in the honeymoon stage. And ain't nobody going to talk to you about the real issues of life. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. You hit gold when you have established a relationship with somebody who genuinely concerned for you. And, and, and they sit you down and they tell you, uh, brother, you're tripping. You hit gold. You hit gold. When you finally have a long-lasting relation with somebody who has genuinely concern with you, and they're able to speak into your life and say, you're not thinking right. There's something wrong with what you're doing. We need to go back to the Bible and find out what the Bible says. Listen, don't run from that. That's why the devil wants you to be easily offended. He wants you to run. No, you got to embrace that because that's where the money's at. That's where the transformation is at. That's where the breaking of strongholds at. I'm going to take you even deeper. I'm going to take you even deeper. This is to my deaf family. I'm going to take you even deeper. You hit gold if Pastor Renee, from time to time, has to sit you down and speak correction over your life. That's gold right there. That is gold gold right there and I'm going to tell you all the congregation here you hit gold if Pastor Raymond or Irene has to sit you down one time and say you're tripping (laughs) you're tripping don't run from that stage don't run from that you better embrace it because that's where God begins to destroy the strongholds that have been messing us up. Someone praise the Lord for that. That's why, 
That's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God cannot destroy the strongholds, all of them in our lives at once. He's not going to do it at once. If, if God destroyed, blew up all the strongholds in your life at once, you would melt down. You would go berserk. You would just shut down. No, he has to do it little by little over time as you sit underneath the word of God, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you engage in the discipleship groups, as you engage life on life with other leaders, and we are able to speak into your life. I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23 verse 19 says, is not my word like the fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. I love that metaphor. He says my word is like a fire and my word is like a hammer. See, sometimes God chooses to blow up the strongholds in our mind. Sometimes he chooses to blow them up. Sometimes he ain't got time for you're already late, right? There's already some things for God to do in your life, and he ain't got time to take you through a major, major process. So he blows it up. You better not run from that. You better not run from that place. Other times God says, you know what? I can't blow it up because it'll hurt you more than it does good. I can't blow it up because it'll do more damage than it does good. So I'm going to use my word as a hammer, and I'm going to slowly chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. And I'm breaking down the walls, and I'm breaking down the walls with my word. So think about that every time you come to worship, every time you come to Bible study, think about the word of the Lord, either blowing it up or chipping it away. I'm going to get my strongholds torn down in the name of Jesus. I want God to have his way in my life. And so, my brothers and sisters, some of us here today, we may need to shut a door in our life. While someone else may need to make a commitment to the renewal process. Someone may need to shut a door. Someone else may need to make a commitment to the renewal process. You're saying, I'm not going to run. I'm going to hold my... Hold the line. I'm going to endure this year. I'm going to persevere this year because I know that God has the greater good in line. So I want us to bow our heads this afternoon. With every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about what group of people you fall in, and maybe you fall in both of the groups, but are you the one that needs to shut a door, or are you the one that needs to make a commitment to the renewal process, or are you both? Think about that for a moment, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here today, through the preaching of God's words, you recognize that you need to shut a door in your life. Whether it's unforgiveness, bitterness, fear, lust, adultery, witchcraft, pornography. I want to say a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to respond to God by standing up on your feet. Anybody who needs to shut a door, stand to your feet as I lead you in a prayer. Shutting doors are closed by repentance and renouncing. Repentance and renouncing. We're shutting doors. 
2023 and we're destroying strongholds. That's how we're opening up this year. This year, this, this January, this week, we're opening up this year by shutting a door. We're shutting doors. We're destroying strongholds. And the Lord put it in my spirit the other day that if you shut a door, he'll open the windows of heaven for you. That if you shut the door of the demons that are entering in, he'll open the windows of heaven for you. What a beautiful promise. For those of you who stood up, I'm going to ask that you say this prayer with me from your heart. I'm going to lead you in it. But in the middle of the prayer, I'm going to come to a place where you're going to confess your own open door, your own sin. And I'm going to pause. And you just, with you and God, confess that sin. Whether it be unforgiveness, bitterness, fear, lust, adultery, pornography. Illicit drugs. Say this prayer from your heart. Father God, I thank you for my salvation. Father God, I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of my life. Father God, I submit to your word. I choose by the act of my will to confess my sins that open the door to the enemy. Father God, I confess my sins to you. Go ahead, take a moment and just confess that open door, confess that sin before the Lord. He already knows about it. Just take a moment to identify it. confess it something else you got to confess there's something else you got to confess go deeper go deeper go beyond the facade beyond the surface continue to pray with me Father God, I repent from these sins and I declare them evil. Father God, I renounce these sins and I declare them evil. Father God, I sever ties with these sins and I choose to close the door. I close the door on them in Jesus' name. I close the door in Jesus' name. I close the door in Jesus' name. For those of you who stood up, look at me for a second. I have some instructions for you the Bible teaches that faith without works is dead and shutting a door is a cooperation between God and us for some of you there is a corresponding action that you must do immediately after you leave this church today that will shut that door whatever it is. For some of you, there's a corresponding action to shut the door. We don't just pray it, we do it. You know what it is. For some of you, it may be going to your house and pouring down the alcohol down the toilet. For some of you, it might be 
throwing away the DVD. For some of you, it might be getting off social media for a season until you're stronger. Everybody's different. But whatever that action is, whatever that correspondent is, for some of you, uh, you may have to delete that person from your phone. For some of you, you may have to delete her picture from your phone. Delete it. Delete it. Delete the contact from the phone. Delete it. Faith without works is dead. My encouragement to you, whatever that action is, do it. Don't wait till tonight. For some of you, you need to call somebody up and ask for forgiveness. For some of you, you need to call somebody immediately. And don't even think about it. Don't even try to defend yourself. Don't even try to defend your reputation. Just call them up and say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Whatever that action is, make sure you do it immediately. If you wait till tonight, you're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. Remain standing for a couple moments. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to make a commitment to the renewal process. Maybe there's someone that needs to tell God, God, I'm not running no more. I'm going to stay planted. I'm going to hold the line. And I'm going to open up my heart to you, my mind to you. And even at times when it hurts, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run. I'm going to stay committed to the renewal process. If that's you and you're not already standing up, I want to lead you in a prayer too. Just stand on your feet if that's you. Stand on your feet if that's you. You're going to make a commitment to the renewal process. Remember, strongholds are destroyed through renewal and replacing. Doors are shut by repenting and renouncing. I just led you in a prayer of repentance and renouncing. Now I'm going to lead you in a, a prayer of commitment to renewal. Everybody follow along? Stand up on your feet if you want to make this prayer. Say this from your heart. Father God, you said in your word, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Today, I commit to the renewal of my mind. Father God, today I commit to the destruction of strongholds in my mind. I ask God that you renew me in my thoughts and attitudes. Help me to no longer believe the lies of the devil. I choose the truth. I choose the truth. I choose to believe the Word of God. I commit to putting God first in my life. I commit to Bible study. I commit to worship. I commit to prayer. I commit to the fellowship of Christians. Lord God, I commit to your renewal process. Destroy the strongholds in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, I commit. And everyone says... Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand praise, somebody. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good. God is good. Did anybody learn something this afternoon? All right. We're going into 2023 shutting doors and destroying strongholds to the glory of God. I want to call up Pastor Martin. Let's welcome Pastor Martin as he leads us in our sacrifice today. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Man, oh man. 
The word of God is powerful. The teachings that we have been having are tremendous. Tremendous. Pastor, I hope that you continue to do this because a lot of people are being set free. They're coming to know the truth. Amen. As we transition to our giving, I have a scripture, amen, for us today. It's found in Deuteronomy 15.10. Moses speaking to the younger generation, to the ones that listen, to the ones that are going to obey God's word, to the ones who Egypt has been erased from their minds, and they're looking forward. It says this, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. God is a God of multiplication. God wants to continue to bless you. But he also wants you to worship him in your giving. As the ushers come forward, I have a few announcements. We have Scan to Give. You can give that way through your phone if you have a smartphone. You can give through debit machine, which is found in the lobby. We can facilitate your giving that way as well. Most of our family gives uh, chapelofchange.org. You can give that way. Or there's envelopes behind your seats. You can give that way as well. Or you can text to the numbers that are on the screen. Join our church in our fast, our Daniel fast. You can see Pastor Irene for that information or look it up on our webpage. We, can, uh, we are going to be fasting Wednesdays and Thursdays, breakfast and lunch. How many of you are in it? Amen. God is good. God is good. We have our Kingsmen potluck this Saturday coming up. How many men we got here? No, really. How many men we got here? Amen. Come on. I want to advise you this, that we are to bring a plate of your favorite food so that we can fellowship with the men. So women, please help your husband. Cook something for him. Let him bring it to the king's men. Let him say, I made this. No fried burritos. Amen. Whatever the Lord puts in your heart to bring, it's a potluck. Let's come and share together. It'll be in Carson this Saturday at 9 a.m. So praise the Lord for that. And then we have next month on the 4th, we have our Women's Abide here at the Paramount Campus. Praise the Lord for the women in our church. Amen. God is good. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because of who you are, God. Father, that you continue to bless the men and the women of this church. In their giving, as they worship and honor your name, you will multiply what they have sown into your kingdom. Amen and amen. Ushers, you are released. feet God is good 
all the time. So before we close, um, I've been telling this to all the services, but I got an illustration with this one. Um, Proverbs chapter 3 says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In the kingdom of God, we have a principle called first fruit sacrifice. First fruit. And that means um, during the first of the year or even the first of any season of prosperity, uh, we give to the Lord immediately off of the top of our increase. It's called first fruit. And so I'm challenging the church at some time in the month of January, uh, bring a first fruit sacrifice to the house of the Lord. Sometime in the month of January, we're going to start this year off strong, and I'm believing that it's going to set in motion uh, the blessing of the Lord for our lives this year. So that's between you and God, uh, but sometime in January, bring to the house of the Lord a first fruit sacrifice. Now, um, I want to illustrate this to you. There's a difference between an offering and a sacrifice. An offering and a sacrifice. And it's told uh, by the story of a chicken and a pig uh, that were friends that were walking down the street and they saw their favorite farmer. And the chicken had a great idea to the pig. They said, hey, that guy's been so good to us. Let's bring him breakfast. And the pig said, wow, that's a great idea. How are we going to do that? And the chicken said, I got a wonderful idea. I'll bring the egg and you bring the bacon. Of course, the pig looked at the chicken and said, what? If, if you bring the egg, that's an offering. But if I bring the bacon, that's a sacrifice. God is telling us to bring home the bacon. Bring home the bacon. So whatever that bacon is between you and the Lord, sometime this month in January, bring a first fruit sacrifice unto the house of the Lord. Don't bring the egg. The egg is the offering. But bring the bacon in Jesus' name. I want to call the pastors up to the altar. If you need extended prayer after I dismiss, you're welcome to come and receive prayer from our pastors. Don't forget Thursday night, we're praying and worshiping here in the sanctuary. Bring your teenagers. We have youth Bible study and children's ministry. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, may you go this week with the blessing and the promises of the Father. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday. Go in peace.